2: Hello and welcome to Beyond the Noise, the podcast series from PR Week. I'm Frankie Oliver, your host and founder of New Society. And today I am joined by UK editor John Harrington. Hello, John. Hi, Frankie. And our special guest, Isabel Coney, Managing Director at Red. Hello. Hi, Frankie. Hi, John. Hi. And Mark Lowe, co-founder of The City. Hello. Hi. Welcome. So this week we are talking about the pain and joy of the new business pitching process in the PR industry. Um, I would say the pitch process is seemingly far more professional than it was maybe when I came into the industry some gosh, over 25 years ago, but it is still beset with some significant challenges. So to you, Mark, as I was sort of reflecting on my way here to the podcast, I was really thinking, do you think the new business you know, pitch process is better now or worse than when you first came into the industry?
1: I think it's different. I think, it, as you say, it's much more professional than it was. It's more rigorous. However, I think there are some market dynamics which make it tricky I think there's a much greater supply of agencies now than there was in the late 90s. And I think that causes, I think, some problems both for agencies and for clients in terms of the way the process works. The other thing I'd say is that I think COVID has significantly affected the the sort of um, efficiency of the pitch process. And I think probably led to some outcomes that are sort of suboptimal in the way that it works as well.
2: What do you think it's done?
1: It's made us... I think the, the relationship is, the, is so often the most important thing. Yeah, you know, definitely. I, I, I sort of think back at, I probably, I was trying to work it out, I've been in the industry for sort of 20 years. I think I've probably done about at least 150 formal pitches and then probably, well, hundreds more sort of more informal processes. When it comes to formal pitches, the really important thing, I think, to if you want a long-term partnership or relationship with a client, is to make sure there's a good relationship, a good chemistry. And what's happening in COVID is more barriers have been put in place. First of all, there are much more stages in the pitch process. And also there are fewer opportunities to actually meet face-to-face and develop that chemistry. I think procurement is playing a role in that. I think procurement's great. (laughs) Um, So I I certainly wouldn't want to talk down the procurement process because I think procurement is what's professionalized in some ways, the, the pitch process. But I think what has happened is that procurement always look for things that they can score. And it's actually quite hard to score the quality of a relationship. And then what COVID's done is it's added this layer of uh, default to virtual. And the default to virtual meetings means that that bond or relationship can't always be tested. And I think you're seeing particularly in things like government pitches, I would say, a situation where you can go through an entire pitch process against say, 20, 30 agencies at long list or even more. You can get to the short list and win the pitch without, or lose the pitch without ever meeting the client. I think the problem with that is, you know, you could say, well, giving a distance and allowing people to score pitches in a more objective uh, way is a good thing. And to some degree it is, but the problem is that what happens is that clients will actually default to people with whom they have existing relationships. So I actually think there is a counterproductive element to that extra stages, less face-to-face, less chemistry. So I'd actually like to see more chemistry more tissue sessions. Perhaps there's nothing wrong with going out to a big group of agencies to start off with, but certainly when you get to shortlist stage, you should definitely, I I would say, if you want the best outcome, be giving as many opportunities for client agency to meet as possible.
2: So let's come back to that because I think there's so much to unpick there also about the actual process in terms of actually what it's testing between the relationship, the consultancy, the creativity and all of those pieces. But FaceTime and chemistry, I mean, we all know it, don't we? We've all been through these pitch processes, but unless you've got the relationship, you're possibly always going to be on the back foot, right? So Isabel, to you, like thinking about, you know, your career in the industry, do you think it's getting better or worse from a pitch perspective?
3: Well, I'd say I agree with a lot that Mark's just said. Um, I definitely think it's become more complex. And I think, again, back to sort of market dynamics, I think one of the overriding things that we find is that um, clients are, you know, the, the environment in which we're operating in is moving on incredibly quickly. You know, the the kind of the way that the consumer approaches things, the way that consumers buy, and the whole marketing industry is changing at such pace that sometimes the client, I think, is putting briefs out to agencies and they don't exactly know what they want from those briefs they know that they want an agency to solve that challenge for them um, but they might put into that a mix of agencies from lots of different backgrounds um, lots of different disciplines um, and therefore the the whole process then becomes incredibly complexified from that and it feels almost like sometimes the client is working through their own challenges yeah. and using the pitch process as a, as a way to do that and I t- totally understand why that is I don't think it's done with any kind of malintent It's literally just kind of going in and thinking I want an agency to help me figure this out Um, and I guess you know the the positive way of looking at that is that comms has gone so far up the food chain you know people are coming to us to help solve business problems Um, but again part of that is that that no one quite knows how to to brief that in properly and there's there's, um, perhaps not the clarity that we might have had 20 years ago when people were buying in a much more kind of compartmentalized way Um, it's like I'm going to go to a buy above the line agency and I'm going to come to my PR agency and they're going to um, have very different objectives against them. Um, now, I think people are trying to work through that as, as they go and it becomes a very complex process. Um, complex process added to that is just the fierce competitive nature that we have I think London is probably one of the most overserved um you saying, Mark, the talking about the number of agencies that number-
2: are, I mean I find new quality. names every day I'm like oh here's another yeah. one yeah
3: <laughs> so and an amazing quality that's the thing it's you know yeah. there's a lot of very very smart agencies out there who all have different slightly different specialisms or slightly different cells and are doing a very good job at marketing themselves um and so I think you know clients are have you know have a buyer's market and yeah. and they have a lot of choice so to try and whittle that down into a codified process
2: is is very hard so there's so many pieces there aren't there so just thinking back to your point about the brief and you know we've definitely had this conversation with mark perkins god just oh, nearly a year ago now um in the run-up to can and you know talking about a pitch process being used by clients effectively to define their brief because they actually haven't been through the strategic rigor internally to actually figure out strategically what what they actually how they actually need to approach Um, a brief and a problem. And actually the real danger of an agency therefore having to put so much strategic heavyweight thinking into that process and take that client on a journey um, before, you know, and that it being used as a test ground to really figure out what the brief is, let alone what the answer to the brief is. And I've had conversations with marketing directors off the record where they are themselves really concerned about the poor quality briefs that are going out of their own organisation because everybody's simply moving at speed and there isn't enough internal time and consideration. We all know it, don't we? Everybody's slave to the Zoom call, slave to the email. How much strategic time is actually being invested on an in-house level into really kind of nutting out these problems that result in the brief? Hmm. What would you say?
1: I I think that's probably true. I'm I'm quite aware of the fact that I don't want to chocolate bar company doesn't write a letter to its customers saying be better customers yeah ultimately it's it's the purview of the clients to decide what process that they want and for agencies to adapt to that so i would um i would say that agencies play a role actually in adapting and to and in helping to form briefs, particularly Mm -hmm. if a world is complex and, and confusing i also really sympathize with clients in terms of just the sheer number of agencies it must be so difficult even when you are in you know in the market yourself sometimes you can lose track of who the new agencies are and what they do and where they sit in the spectrum and as different disciplines converge, as Isabel says it becomes even more confusing i do think there is a i mean i've never worked in house um but obviously i know a lot of people that have (laughs) and i i think there are internal there are a lack of internal incentives for good brief writing Mm -hmm. i think someone probably needs to do a phd in you know, the amount of money that's been lost to businesses and in inefficiency through poor briefs. Because I think internally the feeling is, well, what do I prove to my internal stakeholders by writing a better brief? It's actually going to be a lot easier and a lot less time consuming for me to throw it out to the agencies and, and get them to do that heavy lifting for me. Uh, but that is problematic. You actually end up with the opposite effect. So I would encourage not tell <laughs> But certainly I think if you want, as a client, if you want the best outcome, it, you know, every minute you put into to the brief is saving you money at the end of yeah. the day.
3: And I would also say that it's not just what you put on the page. And I think, you know, that a lot of um, pitch processes, again, they very much vary, but the best pitch processes are where you receive a written brief, but then you as an agency have time with the key stakeholders Absolutely. to interrogate that brief over over the phone at the very least, if not face-to-face. And that's also where you sort of test the mettle of those different agencies, the ones that ask the insightful questions, the ones that really want to know what's driving that brief and want to understand more about your organisation and more about what's keeping you up at night. Um, th- those conversations are the ones that then will start to help you define which agency partner is going to work best with you over the long term mm. um, because that brief will evolve, it will change. It might evolve and change during that pitch process, never mind over you know the any kind of decent length of relationship that you might want to have with that with that agency and you want to know that you can work together on building that out and you know and and having that much more sort of work in progress relationship
2: yeah no absolutely
0: yeah so we've been talking about changing the new business Mm -hmm. process more more generally for years but it never really has changed i mean why do you think do you think this is i mean do we even need to be pitching is there is there another process that would work better? You know, maybe a sort of more more kind of in-depth reviews by by the clients and more um, insights perhaps about exactly what the agency can deliver. I mean, is, is, is there
1: an alternative or do you think pitching is kind of here to stay really? There's almost two parts to that. I, I think pitching is here to stay. I don't, I don't think it's for agencies to dictate to clients how they should buy just as in any customer It's up to them to decide how they want to buy, I would say, and sort of partly in answer to that. In terms of whether the pitch process is a good thing, I still, and perhaps this is an old-fashioned view, would see a transparent pitch process with a clear timeline, a clear budget, and all the internal stakeholders bought into that as a very good way to procure uh, the best agency for for what you want to achieve. It's not the only way to do it. You know, for instance, nowadays, often we will do things like work on a client on a project in order to be tested. I think that can be a really good route. I think particularly if a client, when you have a new client on a piece of business, they may not have the time or energy or, you know, not want to actually go through a formal pitch process to find an agency. They may come to an incumbent and be working with them, but not know them and want to test them out. I think in that situation, rather than calling a pitch, it's probably best to actually look at the deck that you've got. And I think the most experienced clients that I've worked with tend to to do that rather than sort of throwing it all out of the window and going into a pitch where there are more risks and more unknowns. Even if you go through a whole pitch process, a five stage pitch process, and the point, it's much harder to guarantee that the that the relationship will be successful because there are loads of different dynamics that go into. Into doing that.
2: But I was just going to add to that. I think, you know, Andrea AAR has been looking at some different processes, you know, the idea that you could actually, you it's a live pitch, you know, it's about what happens in the room, how agencies respond to certain questions, what they can do over a 24 hour period, as opposed to a two week period, should they be answering a creative brief, or should they be considering a strategic problem? It's like, we've got a really sort of set formula, haven't we, you know, here's the brief, here's the, you know, objective tactic, blah, 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 and here's the creative response that we need, you know, should that always be the challenge that we're given and the process that we have to follow? Or are you seeing
3: other things? I have seen some other things and I think that it's that's a great step forward. I agree with Mark in that you know unpacking it once you are sure that you need to go out to the market you know just don't use pitching as a default way to solve a problem once you are sure that you've gone through the rigour of working out whether you do actually need to look and cast around for a different agency then a pitch of some description is the fairest way to do that if it's run properly does that always need to look like credentials, chemistry, or some sort of RFI document that's sent in followed by a creative test? Absolutely not. And I think that's where, again, we just need to be much more smart about what is it that you want? want What is it that you're buying? Mm-hmm. Um, and what outcomes do you want from that? And then adapt the process to suit that as opposed to just taking a, a very formulaic process, which might be suited to a different time or a different budget or a different okay. ask and expecting that to produce the right outcome for you. So actually being more creative with how you test that. And uh, we work with um, Andrew at AAR and he is being much more provocative about how we should approach pitching, which has been great. And also just much more laser focused in on, how many agencies, being respectful of the number of agencies that you ask to respond to that brief, um, being respectful for the timeframes involved. So yeah, I think having having more rigor, but at the same time having more flexibility about um, the process is, is definitely, a really good step forward. So, Mark, imagine
2: now you're in house. You've got that great new job. You're going to run a pitch process. What are you going to do?
1: I'm I'm going to run a pitch process. All yeah. right. Or, or, or are you going to run to a pitch? Yes, you're going to <laughs> hire a new
2: agency. What do you think would be the ideal process that you just would come run? straight to red? Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> Call Isabel. <laughs>
1: just wire the money straight into yeah. my bank account. I I think it depends on your of how much knowledge you have of the market and what agency you're trying to procure. So yeah. if you're in PR, if you have knowledge of the agency scene, so let's say, for instance, if I'd gone in-house, then obviously I'm in competition with lots of different agencies, so I have a good knowledge. If I don't have a good knowledge, then I either need to do the research myself into whom I invite or ask someone who's an expert to actually help me, and that might be an intermediary like AAR. It might be by having conversations with people that I know that work in agencies. Obviously, it's also complicated by what Isabel's talked about at the very beginning, which is this fact of convergence. It's actually quite hard to define often what agency you're actually looking for. Do you actually, are you looking for a PR agency? Are you looking for a digital agency? Are you looking for a public affairs or influencer agency? Are you looking for a creative or advertising agency? Those things are so much more blurred nowadays. Mm -hmm. And actually you could give the same brief to lots of different disciplines and actually and sometimes bringing in that mix is quite interesting as well. So often we're in a situation where we're not nowadays just pitching against PR agencies; we're pitching against digital or creative agencies as well.
2: But it but it kind of talks to their needing to be a two two part process really around a strategic pitch and a creative pitch. Yeah. And sometimes I think the bringing together of those two things is where we go wrong. Yeah. Because actually, there's a huge amount of consideration that needs to happen strategically before you yeah. even get to deciding what channels and how that mix is coming together and so I agree. forth. You know, and I always had the great dream of you know the inter- the brilliant integrated team that could help you consider everything from every angle and every every discipline and every channel mm. before you then get to. And now we know, and therefore the creative brief is is that where we're potentially
1: I think the client has to be the 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 gatekeeper. They have to accept that they have to lead. Like if there's an interagency process, for instance, where you form a team of multiple agencies to work on something, I think you still have to accept that human relationships are human relationships and they're going to be power relationships that exist between people that work for you if they work for different organizations. So that approach is one approach, but I think in in any situation, I don't think that as a client, you can get away from the fact that you do actually have to lead and direct um, the process yourself. And and this feeds into this point about throwing a brief out to agencies and actually effectively saying, well, this is incomplete. I I need you to fill in the dots for me. Actually, come back to me on that's probably not the optimal way to approach it.
2: It's when you're starting with a business challenge and and the objectives that you're needing to achieve. You mm. were you were saying there's lots of agencies, lots of capabilities that I need to need to consider. And I think through the process, it's not always possible to know what those are until you've strategically considered that before you even get to. So, what's the big idea
3: that enables us to be able to act on that strategy? Oh. Well, we've certainly had that with with clients. In fact, our planning director has recently advised on exactly that. So, somewhat an existing relationship has come to us and said, "We have this new challenge. We don't know exactly who is the right person." or the right agency team to be able to answer that? Can, can you work with us on constructing a brief? Um, and it was more than a brief, it was kind of the going through that strategic process to kind of work out exactly what the problem is and how that can be articulated in a way that agencies can reasonably react to. Um, and then that went out to pitch. So we were kind of brought on as consultants. So I know that you know some very good intermediaries. which is ideal. Because it is collaboration
2: on the on the brief makes absolute sense, doesn't it? So it's a, it's the pre
3: stage, as it were, of being engaged as a strategic agency. Exactly. And then it went yeah. out to creative pitch, and we took part in that creative pitch. But yeah. at least there had been some sort of sense check on what was going out, um, and that it 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 was a fair creative brief um, mm. right from the outset. Um, and I know that some intermediaries as well do that. So, you know, Ingenuity, we work with, and I think they see their role as being very much around trying to guide, not only just the pitch process, but make sure that a brief is clearly articulated and that that internal team has really gone through that rigor. But sometimes you do need an outside perspective. You know, that's that's part of the, the point of bringing agencies, right? It's kind of having that that outside view on your world. Um, and And I think splitting out a strategic brief from creative can be incredibly helpful.
2: Yeah. Is there anything else, imagine you being in that in-house position, you know, how would you do it differently? Would you keep it the same?
3: Uh, it's a really good question. I think I would, there are certain elements I would absolutely keep the same. Um, I think seeing people's thinking and really getting to understand a, a an agency is the way that they work and the way that they think. So that strategic element is really important. I think for me, the creative response is something that you can, you can come up with one great, great idea, but can you repeat that? And if yeah. you can't get the strategic part, right, then often, you know, the, the creative, it might be sort of a one hit wonder. So making sure that um, I, I'm working with you know, people that can approach um, my business and um, give me Um, A strategic path. I think that would be kind of number one, but also the chemistry. And I think the key thing for any good relationship going forward is the investment of time in the pitch process. And it can be a bit of um, a sort of false economy, I think, to try and rush a pitch process through because you end up doing all of the... time investment at some stage or another. yeah. Um, So actually doing that beforehand, doing that during the process, making sure that the chemistry is there, but you've invested um, as a client um, as much as you're expecting the agency to invest, I think is is kind of the golden rule. And I would like to think that um, if I was in-house, I would not just do a cookie cutter pitch um, and that it would adapt to the particular need, but... Who knows? It's easy to say from the outside, isn't it? Very different when you're actually, you know, in-house and and have all the other stakeholders that you have to manage
1: and other pressures. Ideally, that the the strategy is decided internally. Otherwise, that's a terrible. It off. should
2: be. It, yeah. Ideally.
1: Yeah. That, but in reality, there's well, there's a strategy of a business, which is a slightly different thing to its comms strategy. Its comm strategy is a subset of that. The strategy of the of the business ought to be making decisions about, around things like resource allocation so in answer to your very first question about how the pitch process has changed since the late 90s i think there is more use of agencies for things that make a strategic difference i.e give you a competitive advantage and that is strategic thinking and creativity less of a need i think to use agencies as bolt up, bolt-ons so that the the strategic process internally ought to decide the brief uh, then, but, when it comes to defining what the comm strategy is, then that is probably where you should start bringing in other experts externally. but I think so there there's almost two shades to the idea of strategy there, I think if that's not over-intellectualising it.
2: Yeah, I suppose it's also, though, about how much insight work and deliberation and consideration has actually been done. I mean, we, we all know it, the two-week pitch process where actually you're starting with a blank sheet of paper effectively. We've been throwing everything in the kitchen sink, but actually you don't have the quite the right piece of research, quite the right piece of insight to actually drive that strategically. And you don't know that until you actually get well into the process, do you? So yeah. it's,
3: it's challenging. But also most of that is just showing how an agency thinks and works. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, in a two-week pitch process, you're not going to be able to solve those core business issues for a client or those, you know, fundamental questions around where they should go strategically. It's uh, I would see a pitch process generally, if, particularly if it's a very truncated pitch process, to be an indication of how you think and how you work. And then you see whether that gels with your organization. And then from there you work together on really working through, if you're appointed, working through, you know, how you're going to take that forward and how you're going to implement. But to mm-hmm. expect people to come back with a fully baked, absolutely 100% ready to go strategic and creative framework for you within a two week period is it's a challenge, yeah, mm-hmm. a tall order.
2: So thinking about the new business process, I think we all know that that having a set of principles by which you all stand by and you live and die by as much as possible is incredibly helpful for that process. You know, do do you individuals within your agencies have a set of principles and things that you are absolutely we must stand by these you know thinking for example minimum number of agencies the time you know oh, are you going to get face time what are the sorts of things that you feel are absolutely essential for you to go tick we're going to go ahead with this pitch and where are your kind of biggest red flags would you say
1: okay it's quite interesting so there's there's the process that you might go through when you decide that you want to go for a piece of business and that obviously is a reflection on on your on your own business and what you actually want to achieve, and I think the important, really important point to make there is that, and I think there's sometimes that get this gets lost, is that agencies aren't only looking to make money. There are other reasons, cultural reasons, um, reason strategic reasons in terms of the direction that you want to take your business that you that might inform your decision to pitch for something. And and I, I say that because I think often clients are reluctant to approach certain agencies or want to put agencies in a box uh when it comes to pitches and 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 think that the decision is purely uh uh one based on money i mean if we go into a pitch first obviously whether we can make money on it is a question is Um, that the
2: first question
1: so when we decide whether we want to go for for a piece of business in the first place the first question one of the first questions we will ask ourselves is is the budget sufficient for us to, to 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 make money on this and and will it wash its face there's a question of, does it benefit our brand? If it benefits our brand, then we may consider then uh, compromising on other aspects, including budget, if we think that it will make a difference in terms of, say, the sectors that we want to get into, uh, what, where we want to take our, our company as a whole. And then the third is, will people actually enjoy working on it? Uh, and that's a really important factor as well. And that feeds into the, to the chemistry aspect as well. If you feel that you have a, a good, strong opening relationship with the client, and in order to to establish that you need to have face time with them you are going to be much more likely to then want to go for it and i think i've learned to my cost often going for pieces of business which i think tick the first two boxes knowing instinctively that the relationship isn't right and still going ahead has they've been some of the biggest mistakes that i've made since since i've owned an agency
2: and how do you know just by looking at that brief whether you think it's going to be profitable
1: well, you, there's always an element of uh, intuition and and applying your experience, but of course you can work out how much time you think it's going to take and how much internal resource it would use up
2: to do the pitch.
1: Yeah. Well. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I mean, or to run the business. Too much. So when I say looking at the money, I'm looking at the budget and then can we deliver on the budget to to, to give to the client what they yeah. actually is want to Yeah, this is a achieve? crazy
2: brief. We'll never be able to do that for yeah. like 100K or something. Yeah,
1: but, but then in terms of the, then do we go for it? Then there are also other red flags that you immediately see when someone comes to you for a pitch. The first is how many agencies have they gone to? And the second is, have they given us a budget? Now, this is a nuanced question. I
2: can't believe it's still a question that <laughs> I know. It? <laughs> it's just I ridiculous. think it's a nuanced
1: question though, because I think in some sectors particularly things like scale-ups, high growth tech, things like that, I do think people have difficulty establishing what the benchmark is. So I I would always encourage people to offer a budget. I do sometimes understand why people don't want to. They want the market to set the, the, uh, the budget for them rather than the other way around. I don't think that actually works, but I can understand why people are motivated to do that. But however, I would say that is a red flag. And you would then push the, the client to, to give you more detail. And I think an intermediary, if they've gone through an intermediary, that won't happen because that's one of the first things that an intermediary would advise you to do. So that's a red flag. If the client is not making the time to actually see you and meet with you, that's another major red flag because you need to see a demonstration of their commitment to it as well. So those would be three, three the sort of three red flags. I don't know if you've got Isabel, to what
2: there. would you say? Have you got a similar set of principles, would you say?
3: I think the principles, the red flags are absolutely the same. And I think any agency that I've ever talked to about this, they're the three recurring things. And you know, it's kind of we we want to see that the client is invested in the process um and is willing to commit that time. um in terms of principles, again, I think they're they're pretty much aligned. I think for us, there's also just really about of course, it has to be profitable in some regard, right? So it has to, we have to sort of see the value for us as an agency in in moving forward. But I think that the shift for us is perhaps the, the motivating work. And I think, you know, more and more because it is, it's also an incredibly difficult employment market at the moment, um, and more and more we're seeing people wanting to enter the industry to do work that really, really motivates them. So whether that be, you know, we think we might get an award for it or, we, you know, which is a very sort of basic measure, but work that we feel that we're really moving either a business or a cause forward. I think that if we can win business, that people can really get behind it. You know, it's it's much more than just as is profitable.
0: Um, I want to ask about payment actually. I mean, we hear of probably more so in ad land than in the PR industry of, of clients paying agencies to pitch. How common do you think this is at the moment overall? And more importantly, do you think clients should pay? And I guess some sort of supplementary questions are agencies giving away too much for free? And has new business even become cost prohibitive for many agencies, do you think?
3: So we have had um, a couple of instances where we have been paid um, for a pitch, but that tended to, as I say, a couple, um, and it was with an existing relationship of some sort there. Um, I actually don't think that um, clients should expect to pay agencies to pitch. I think it's much more um, fair to just to make sure that that pitch process is run as respectfully as possible and as efficiently as possible, because it is a very costly business pitching. Um, you know, as an agency, we have a certain number of hours. That's what we sell. That is our that is our product. We're selling time and we're selling intellectual, intellectual um, consultancy. Um, and whenever we are pitching, you know that that is that is resource that we could be putting into to other areas. You know, to to existing clients. Um, so it is a huge investment for agencies um and i think as long as the client reflects that in that process doesn't invite too many agencies to do that um then i think that that is enough commitment from some both sides and ultimately you know you you I, from an in-house perspective i think probably people want to see that that agency is very passionate about the brand i mean mm-hmm. that is another thing that kind of you know really tips things over i think when a client really understands that that agency team is invested and really, really wants to work on that business, and quite often that that can be that little X factor that, that tips over in your favour. Um, but it all has to be done respectfully, and and also just again back to that employment point. Gone are the days where I, you know I used to work until eleven o'clock at night, mm. be up in the morning, you know, at my desk at six. And I don't want my teams to work like that. I, I want there to be that balance. And so, you know, it's it's our role as, you know, agency leads to be able to um, be that barrier, I guess, or, or, you know, to manage that process and manage expectation with clients and with potential clients to make sure that we are being fair with that resource and not expecting people to, to overinvest.
2: But if you think about the procurement process and it's a review every three
3: years and
2: you don't always know whether it's a you know fair innings uh, versus the incumbent i mean there's lots of kind of commercial reasons why some pitches are you know potentially should be paid I mean, if you think about, I don't know, an average pitch, I think I once worked it out as anywhere between 10 and 20K per agency Mm. in terms of consultancy time. It's a lot of money. Mm. It is, yeah. And it's whether there should at least be some nominal contribution from the client if it's not 15, 20K, it's at least some kind of contribution that also sort of really demonstrates their investment in a really good process and their respect of the agency time and investment within that process is there somewhere between the two that maybe we need to come to
1: possibly there, there's a question i think of what in an ideal world would happen and then what the market will sustain yeah and i don't think in our market currently which, currently <laughs> which is heavily yeah. oversupplied and by the way i don't think an oversupplied market necessarily helps the buyer in some ways it makes the process more confusing there's choice paradox there are issues with distinguishing, getting getting access to information in order to make a business decision. You need to have full access to to, to the information. I think it's a, so ideally, yes, I think, in, and, and that would be one way of approaching it. And I think people should be open-minded about that. In practice, it rarely happens. And I think the reason that it rarely happens is because the market is so oversupplied. However, I would also say that the, and you know this, Frankie, um, with the work that you're doing, That the question of sustainability is, and and the fact of sustainability is often raised by clients, and is something that they they hold dear. And for in what sense? Well, in terms of the um, the commitments that they're making as companies, often they talk about trying to be more sustainable as companies. And often, when people think of sustainability, they think of the environmental aspects. But we're a B Corp, um, and we know that sustainability is also about your supply chains yeah and if you're making a commitment to be sustainable that means you need to be you need to be sustainable through the whole ecosystem and that means treating your suppliers in a way that they can also behave sustainably now this is a two way street i think agencies and clients need to accept that they operate in an ecosystem and negative behaviors on either side of that ecosystem have no negative results so for instance if as an as a as a client you're going out to 20 agencies asking them for full creative strategy, a 12-month plan, you know, basically weeks of work, and you go to 20 agencies and ask for that, then on another day, you say, well, what annoys me about agencies is the fact that their senior people are so tied up when it comes to working on my business. You've got to ask yourself, well, why that might be. For agencies on their side in this market, the temptation is to constantly chase business. But actually the most efficient thing you can do as an agency is to try to grow your existing clients.
3: Yeah, organic is that
1: that is the most sustainable approach. (laughs) And that is actually the most efficient approach as well. It is both it is both profitable and it is efficient. However, we in the past have made a decision to pitch when actually that energy would have been better put into working on our existing clients. Now, that's a principle we should adhere to in the same way I think that a client should should try to adhere to the principle. That they want their agencies to be sustainable, and paying them would be one way to do that. I'm just saying that that may not always happen, and if that doesn't happen, I think the spirit of the relationship has to be about sustainability. Yeah.
3: And I think if you go into it with that sort of element of mutual respect, you wouldn't necessarily need to pay because you know you're you're kind of going on that basis yeah. of respect for the time, the effort um that an agency is putting into something and so that that transaction wouldn't need to be there to show that you also have skin in the game but unfortunately that's that's not always the case
0: very quickly there's talk of um some more movements towards um kind of strict codes of practice around pitching um in the industry would you welcome this
3: I think uh strict codes of practice is different to guidelines. Um I think there should be more open guidelines um around pitching that clients can go to and and more advice out there for how to run a good brief and how to run a good pitch process. But codifying something which is essentially there are so many variables and chemistry is so much part of it, um, I think is going to be a very difficult thing to do. It should just be, it should be more around people signing up to almost a code of a code of practice and a quote almost as sort of an ethical code about like how a charter you would, more than anything, A charter, it? exactly yeah. something where you know you understand the The basic principles that we've talked about there around investment of time, mutual respect, really understanding what it is that you want out of the process, rather than anything that is too strict and too um, too detailed, because that, again, won't fit every single brief, because there are so many variables out there.
1: I, I think the something like the pitch positive pleasure that they have in advertising, uh, which I think is getting some traction now, I think publicists have signed up to it. I think that would be a very good signal to agencies. That would be if if I saw that some, that a client was signed up to a code of practice, it would certainly make me more willing to, more to, to go for the business. Yeah. However, the problem is that I'm also competing against many many other agencies, so I may not have the luxury of requiring a client to do that. So again, we come back to the market dynamics. in in an oversupplied market, uh, unfortunately, it does fall to the client to to make those commitments rather than the agencies, given that the agencies will be willing to compete with one another, whatever the conditions that are are imposed on them. And that's the market. I think.
3: I, yeah, I do also think though that the onus is on agencies um you know yeah. we have to take a little bit of control back and be strong about what it is that we will and will not commit to. Yeah. Completely. And unless we do it will continue to 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 sort of you know you, you will continue to have the abuse of the process essentially by by certain clients and that's not saying you know need for boundaries. Uh, mm. The need for boundaries, <laughs> yeah. you know, and um you know again that if a client is behaving that way in a, in a pitch process it gives you a very good indication of how the relationship's going to be and whether that is going to be something that you want to subject your people to um in you know f- for the long term um and whether it even would be a long-term profitable relationship so i think the pitch process is is as much of a test of the client and the client mm. culture as it is the agency and the agency's ability to deliver um so i think we do need to take a bit of control back
1: yeah and be willing I think be willing to say no as you say yeah. it's not more often than, than we do I think we'd probably be healthy for everyone
0: great a final question very quickly it would just be nice to end on something anecdotal um, don't feel you have to name names but what would you say has been your worst ever pitch story
2: <laughs> I feel like this is the whole podcast
1: on its own. you do know about this one <laughs> I, I can like, name too many to name. oh no it's be the
3: best question <laughs>
1: I can name a few behaviors that I've seen over the years. There are some sort of patterns of behavior you see that are quite toxic. By the way, this is a small subsection of the of the of the of the client. So, market.
2: Diplomatic, Mark. Um, <laughs>
1: so one of the worst things I've seen is getting agencies to pitch, shortlisting them, and then the last task is to ask them to do work for you in order to appoint them, and Ooh. then not appointing
0: oh. So I've had that situation
1: and I don't know why. That's a situation where you're just like, why on earth did we say yes to that?
3: Yeah, it's it's awful, isn't it? There's a similar, there was a brand actually that was very kind of quite, went through a phase of being quite famous for this of asking agencies to pitch, getting all of their ideas and then you would see them executed by the in-house team. So again, it's that kind of just, you're essentially casting out for strategy and creative that then you execute in-house and have no intention through the pitch process. And I think we were burnt three times by that particular Mm. brand and then refused to have a pitch with them again. Um, But we've also had, uh, this is kind of more of a sort of post-Covid situation where people are getting back into putting meetings in face-to-face. And we've had instances where we've traveled over 300 miles with a team, stayed overnight in a hotel, invested in all of that gone into the office to have the client team who live within a 10 mile radius dial in um, which was oh, sort of deeply dear, disrespectful to, uh, yeah the, the, <laughs> the great the carbon footprint cost. too right yeah, yeah exactly and from a from a brand that claimed to have sustainability at its core so, so you're like we're yeah. in your office We're literally in your office and you're less than 10 miles down the road and you've managed you've, you've dialed in from your living room so you know there, there are a lot of behaviors like that which again just sort of showcase the the um, the lack of respect, should we say, for it's just not the way you want to want to behave. Mm. Um, but there's plenty of times where I'm sure we've messed up a lot too. Wow!
2: listen, I mean, that's just been a great conversation. Thank you so much, Mark and Isabel. I feel like the um, the worst pitch stories could definitely roll on. And you didn't hear mine. God, I've got so many. Next time, we will be hearing from colleagues in-house on this exciting subject to get the other view. Um, but huge thanks to you both for, for coming in and joining us today. It's been great. And thank you to everybody that's been listening. We hope you enjoyed the show and we look forward to you joining us next
1: time.